Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
Hey guys, welcome to another edition of my podcast. Of course, my name is Mark Striegel and you are listening to Talking Metal. How are you guys? I hope everyone's having a great summer. I can't believe how fast it is flying by. Man, and we are just getting hit over the head. When I say we, I mean my wife and I, Emily, who I was hoping was going to join me on this episode. I know she was on the last one, but the timing just didn't work out. But we are getting hit over the head with so many great shows, man. There was Heavy Montreal, there was Iron Maiden, and uh, we got Kiss this week. And we love Beck. I know they're not metal, but or I know he's not metal, but we're going to see Beck and Spoon, you know, more from the alternative side. I love that shit, too. But what we do here, a, a Slipknot is coming up, too, man. So much great stuff this summer. And But what we do here is we focus on the harder rock, the heavier rock. And uh, But, we're, you know, we're all over the map. We, we play extreme stuff, but we also... F- focus a lot on the the traditional sounding stuff which is i have to admit where my heart is the most although i love hearing new up-and-coming bands like betraying the martyrs you know pounding me in the face with great music and that's why i'm really psyched because aaron matt's from betraying the martyrs is on the podcast we caught up with him right before their first show back uh after after the fire of course so stay tuned for that we're going to get to that in a bit aaron matt's from betraying the martyrs he was on route to his first show back after the fire we're going to talk to him about chris adler of course who just left lamb of god and is managing their band so a lot of cool stuff stay tuned for that short but cool interview with aaron coming up soon but right now man god steve stevens really there's there's about like 10 guitar players from the 80s era that I could really, you know, rattle off that are just my favorites and meant so much to me as a teenager and continued to mean a lot to me throughout my adult life. And he is one of those guys, man. And I've been wanting to interview him since we started this show back in 2005. It finally happened. So a couple shout outs. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Stephen from the uh, growing up rock podcast who pointed me in the right direction because he had interviewed Steve Stevens. He said, talk to Josie. Josie is the beautiful wife of Steve Stevens. So I reached out to her a bunch of times and she finally responded. And wow, she gave us the the gold star treatment. We were picked up in a golf cart, whisked backstage, taken downstairs to meet with... uh, with Steve Stevens. So big shout out to Josie Stevens for hooking this up. I really appreciate it. And anything you or Steve need, we are here for you you because you treated Emily and I so great. And yeah, so let's just shut up. Let's get right into the interview. We heard Atomic Playboys opening the show. I had that on cassette, my Steve Stevens cassette really loved that tune loved that album there was a sweet cover on there there was some really good stuff on there and really have loved so much stuff that this guy has put out over the years and and it's been diverse stuff i mean we're going to talk to him about bozio levin stevens which they put out two great albums i was a big fan of the first one especially blacklight syndrome we're going to talk to him about michael jackson we're going to talk to him about billy idol ozzy osbourne there's so much here so without further ado this is the man, Steve Stevens, here, finally, on Talking Metal. What an honor. What an honor. A little music to get us in, and then we'll hear from Steve Stevens. Last night, a little dancer came dancing to my door. 
This is Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and we are here at the PNC Arts Center in New Jersey, and we are about to talk with Grammy Award-winning artist Steve Stevens. Steve, thanks so much for sitting down and talking with us today. My pleasure. Great to be here. So much stuff that you've done throughout your career. I mean, it's really mind-boggling when I went back and was reminiscing over everything that you've done, but let's start with what's going on now. Deadland, Ritual. There's two songs out. Sure. And is there a full length coming or is it just the two songs? Um, we plan on recording the record uh, by the end of this year. Um, <clears throat> we actually, um, you know, the initial plan was to do the record before we went out and played dates. Um, but due to the scheduling of the, our producer, who Greg Fiedelman, who was uh, finishing up Slipknot, Slipknot right. uh, and my Billy Idol, uh, this tour kind of, coming back to back we got squeezed for time so right. um we said ah you know let's go out and let's you know uh play the dates anyway T- kind of test the material we played about eight uh original songs and um and i said to geezer you know i said well how long was it you know that you guys were playing the black sabbath record before you recorded it and so oh, about six months i said he said yeah you know this you get to kind of see what the audience thinks in the material you can try out different 
arrangements and things right. like that. And I thought, wow, well, that's if it was good enough for Black Sabbath to do right. it that way, it was good enough for us. And it actually worked out really well that uh, we we did play the material, you know, in front of people that maybe hadn't, you know, hadn't heard anything other than the the two tunes. But um, how many shows have you done? It's about twenty five shows. Really, done. you've done yeah. that many? Okay, yeah, yeah, oh, wow. about twenty five shows. Okay, and. Matt Sorum, Geezer Butler, you've been friends with them for a while, or Matt, I have, um, and Frankie Perez, the yes, singer. the singer. I was going to get to so him. So we've yeah. been friends together uh, 20, over twenty years. Uh, Geezer's a new acquisition, <laughs> okay. um, and um, you know, we 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 had talked initially about you know Matt, Frankie, and myself doing something, putting a band together, um, and then we said, well, we need a bass player, and we started thinking about it. And then uh, Matt said, you know, I just read this interview, Giza Butler, and, um, you know, Black Sabbath, you know, it was, he's finished his last dates and he's looking for a new band. And, wow. And we just thought, ah, you know, wouldn't it be great? But he'll yeah. never do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, you don't know until you ask. And, and lo and behold, you know, he, he said, oh, send me some material. And, you know, we sent him a couple of uh, you know, rudimentary demos. And then we just got in a room and the and chemistry was kind of undeniable. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Well, we're looking forward to hearing more from you guys. And uh, wow, what a, what a lineup. Matt Sorum, Steve Stevens, Geezer Butler, and Frankie Perez, who just a little bit on Frankie. Where, where, where do you know him from and what's his uh, um, past? Well, Frankie's um, a, a guy that I initially met through Billy Morrison, the rhythm guitar player sure. in Billy Idol. Uh, he and Matt were in a band called uh, a covers band called Camp Freddy, right, right? And Frankie right. would guest, and I always went, "Well, who's that guy?" You know. And then I've seen Frankie go on in front of before Stephen Tyler or Corey Taylor or Billy Idol, and people are you know walk out of the place going, "That guy was incredible." Yeah, he really. So he's you know he's kind of like you know. Uh, you know, anybody that can go in front of, you know, go up and sing in front of those kind of quality singers. I just thought, you know, it's just a, it's just a matter of him having the right um, uh, vehicle, really. So, um, you know, uh, you know, he was always the, the, the one guy that I thought, yeah, I really would love to be in a band with him. And then last year I toured as a solo artist in Europe and Frankie came and we did like the kind of greatest hits of my career. And oh, okay, cool. Everything from old, you know, Atomic Playboy sure. things. We did Top Gun. We did uh, Dirty Diana. Right, 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 right. And, um, and Frankie, it was, it was really, it was great because he was able to adapt, make all of those kind of songs his own uh, without, you know, mimicking any of the artists that I originally did them with. And I thought, well, that's, that's a sign of a great singer, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Really make it their own. Absolutely. I want to go way, way back. I interviewed Bill O'Coin shortly before he died, and he told me that he was the one that brought you to Billy Idol. Is that how you remember it? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Bill had a part. I've got to give full credit to uh, his partner, Rick Alberti. Mm -hmm. uh, Rick was the guy at Electra who actually signed Queen to the United States. Um, I was in a band called The Fine Malibu. This is not a very great name, but <laughs> so um, it was me and a bunch of guys from Clarksville, Tennessee, and uh, we recorded for Island Records. We went down to the Compass Point Studios in the Bahamas, and the record, our producer was Jimmy Miller, who produced the Rolling Stones, but uh, for various reasons, the record was shelved, uh, wasn't released, wow. and um, 
came back to New York and we contacted uh, Bill of Coin for management. Yeah. We said, we got to get out of this record deal. Uh, record, you know, we need to re-record or remix or whatever, you know, uh, we need to do. And, um, and, uh, and Bill and Rick Alberti uh, started to manage the band. And it became apparent that, that what I was looking to do was beyond the, the capabilities of the band, you know, right. Um, nothing, bad about those guys. It was just, I was looking for something different. I really needed a musical foil, uh, a, a partner, you know, I needed my Mick Jagger, you know, right, right, right. Keith in search of Mick, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and, uh, or Jimmy Page in search of, uh, Robert Plant. Right. And, um, and I left the band and a coin continued to manage me. <clears throat> and, uh, we actually placed an ad in the village, in the back of village voice, you know, a uh, guitarist looking for, Singer, drummer, right. bass—you know—all this, and it was. I started to receive tapes, and and then Bill called me one day. He said, "Do you know who Billy Idol is?" And by then, um, uh, dancing myself was right. being played in the clubs, and I said, "Absolutely," you know. And he said, "Well, he's moved to New York. We're managing him, and you guys should meet." And um, <clears throat> and that really was was the the beginning of. It wasn't like we met and went great. You right. know, it, it was um, we hung out for quite a while uh, because Billy, obviously coming from, you know, the English punk rock scene was totally different than the musical stuff that I was into. Yeah. You know, I was still into my, you know, early 70s, uh, you know, guitar hero, English guitar heroes. Sure. But also being from New York, I knew all of the Lou Reed stuff and I'd seen, you know, the Ramones and. Uh, Johnny Thunders, I, you know, being in in Manhattan at that time, I saw all Blondine television, Talking Heads. Uh, so I had absorbed the kind of new wave, maybe not so much the New York punk thing, but the New York kind of experimental art yeah. thing. And um, and Billy and I just kind of like, we just started hanging out and talking music. And um, I said, look, even if I'm not the guitar player, I know Every musician in New York. Right. So here's a bass player I suggest. Here's a drummer I'd suggest. And uh, and then uh, I said, just consider me when it comes to the guitar. I don't know if they auditioned anyone else. Um, but by then I had kind of figured out what was needed for the gig. And I went, yeah. oh, I see what he's looking for. Right, <laughs> right. He wants a guy who can play punk rock. You know, with the energy of punk rock and maybe the simplicity and immediacy of punk rock, but also textural. He was talking about guys like John McGee from Susie and the Banshees. Okay. And, and um, so and, and you know, even Andy Summers and right. XTC and all this stuff that I was kind of getting turned on to. So it's just a matter of really adapting my style a little bit right. and taking direction. I mean, that's what I always tell musicians. They say, oh, how, how have you managed to last 37 years with Billy. I said, you know, we respect each other, but also as a guitar player, you have to take direction sometimes. Yeah. If someone's written a song and they bring it to you, uh, they don't want you to, you know, shred all over it. It's the last thing they're looking for. They're looking for you to bring their song to life. And I kind of, I was always good at that. I think, yeah. you know, but you know, you were also great at, I mean, an album that I loved was black light syndrome, which you, you, this was the opposite of that. I mean, you were, right. you were, it was almost like a middle finger to the, the, <laughs> the industry, if you will. I mean, 10 minute, 14 minute songs, crazy playing. The musicianship was just outstanding. Of course, Terry Bozio right, and, right. and um, Tony, Levin. Tony, Tony Levin. Yeah. Right. I, I, can you talk about doing that? Because that to me was really 
uh, I mean, almost a, a left turn from what we knew you for at right, that point. Right. You know, Vince Neil, uh, Billy Idol, all the stuff you've yeah, done. Yeah, pre- I mean, it, <clears throat> for some reason, when Terry Terry Bozio was the initial impetus for that, right? And when his manager said, "We're gonna," you know, how would you like to do this Im- improvisational, you know, neo prog uh, project? Uh, where you go into the studio with nothing prepared. And Terry said, great, you know, and they said, okay, well, guitar players, here's a list. And the usual names were on there of guys that are right. known. And Terry uh, said, I'd like to contact Steve Stevens. And after I met with Terry, I understood why, because the, you know, missing persons kind of made their career at the same time as Billy Idol. Mm-hmm. And if you look at, Terry Bozio's capabilities as a drummer. Right. Technically, it's not what Missing Persons is about. And I think he recognized that I had capabilities beyond what maybe you hear initially. Yeah. But also I would I would bring mo- sense of melody to it. Right. Uh, so Terry and I got together. He was living in Austin at the time. And we just hung out and we were in his garage jamming. You know, it was great. And... Uh, and then we said, you know, once there was like a cool vibe, you know, a couple of days in, we said, all right, we've got to get a bass player. Who could we get? And I went, oh, we'll never get him, but wouldn't it be great to have Tony Levin? Yeah. And he was available for, wow. that, for that window of time. And, um, and that's kind of how those records were done. Yeah. Two great records. And you mentioned the song Dirty Diana earlier, which it was just, I mean... 35 million copies of that album sold Michael Jackson, Quincy Jones, any brief memories you could share of working with those guys on that great song? Um, yeah, you know, it was like the first high profile thing that I had done outside of Billy Idol and I was nervous Yeah, because you were in the video too, actually. I remember yeah. Um, well, that was, that was part of the agreement to do the, the recording. I said, you know, if it's a video, I want to do right. it. Um, but when, when doing the Billy Idol records, you know, it was always Billy and myself and our producer, Keith Forsey. It's a mm-hmm. very small group of people. Right. No entourage, no hangers. You know, it was like very kind of, um, you know, uh, immediate kind of little group of people. And I thought when I went to record with Michael, I thought there'd be this huge entourage and all this and I walk in the studio and it's the same thing. It's right. Michael Quincy and the engineer. Wow, that was it. really? Nobody else, no big catering, no big, you know, yeah. it was just like and it was very chill and um and they worked very much the same way as as I did with Billy. You know, we put the track up and Michael said, you know, this is he kind of sang the melody. Yeah. And I said, okay, what what do you hear on it? Let's take care of that stuff. Right. Let's get you happy first and and I said, and then roll the tape and I'll do what I feel like it, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and I think the end the end result was a, an amalgamation of the right. of the two kind of things. Right, right so, on, right on. Cool. Yeah. We can go a little longer. Okay. Yeah, we can go a little longer. I didn't We can go a little longer. Five minutes cool or the boss. <laughs> <laughs> Atomic Playboys, uh, a very famous producer was involved, two famous producers, right, involved with that record. Uh, start with Ted, memories of working with Ted Templeman? Well, Ted, Ted signed me to to Warner Brothers, and uh, Ted didn't work on the record. He's oh, he the, didn't? Okay. Yeah, he signed. He was my A&R guy, and, um, <clears throat> and I, I was a fan of 
so many of Ted's records, and I loved hanging with him. We we would go back to the Warner Brothers. I let me backtrack. I wasn't looking to sign a, a solo deal outside of Billy Idol, right? But Ted was such a cool guy that uh, you know. I remember when I went initially. I was living in New York. I came out to L.A. to meet with him. We went to dinner, and we go back to the Warner Brothers office well after midnight. And he opens his office and starts playing me the original acetates of uh, uh, Captain Beefheart that he oh, did. Wow. And uh, and he said, well, I said, you know, my favorite Van Halen record is, you know, Fair Warning. Right. So oh, you want to hear the original acetate? Wow. You know, straight off the mastering. And, and Ted had an incredible stereo. And we just talked music. And uh, <clears throat> and um, I said, all right, I'll sign, sign with you, you know. And, um, and it became... Obvious that I just didn't have the 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 the, uh, the energy to do Billy Idol and Atari Playboys, right? And so I had to decide. Uh, I put my energies into that, and Bo Hill was the was Bo the Hill, producer right. on yes. it. And um, you know, uh, I was used to like by then, you know, massive budgets with with Idol and writing in the studio and spending a lot of money and and really, um, you know, uh, that was my biggest mistake because. It, you know, I should have started from as a baby band, really. Right, right. I should have. I brought a huge sound system and lights on the road and buses and all this kind of stuff. And I just couldn't keep it going financially. Right. I was losing a lot of money. Sure. Because I was spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had, I was used to working with Billy Idol, but but I, I enjoyed doing the record certainly, and um, and uh, you know. Uh, I think there's a couple of tracks on that record which should have inevitably been on Billy Idol records, okay, right. you know. Yeah. But uh, but it was cool. I mean, every everything you know that you do, I've always looked at. You know, there's never any mistakes. Right. There's just things that maybe don't work out, but you always learn from them. Right. You know, and I learned not to waste a lot of money on that. Right on. Cool. It was uh, to wrap things up here. The it was. A couple of years ago, uh, reported that you were doing some writing with Ozzy. Mm -hmm, uh, yeah. How many songs did you write with him? And do you have any updates on what's going on with him? Yeah, I think there's there's one which kind of rose to the top. I was I was asked to write with him by Billy Morrison, the second guitar player of Billy Idol. They're buddies, and and I uh, have a home studio, so they said, "How oh, can we come? Can I bring Ozzy over to do some writing?" Uh, there's one song uh, which we which we wrote, which may see the light of day. Okay. Um, I was just happy to have, yeah. you know, I set up my microphone and you hear that voice right. and you get chills. You yeah. just go, <laughs> yeah. that's that, that's, you know, same as I do with Geezer when oh, I'm yeah. in the room and, and you just play guitar and it's, and it's, and it's sitting next to that bass sound. It's, you know, I think, uh, you know, I've always, you know, maintained that I'm a fan. I've never lost that kid fan thing of the music that made me want to do this. Right on. And I think that's what keeps me kind of like always looking to get better and work with other people. So Very I mean, cool. yeah, maybe the Aussie thing will see the light of day. Yeah. We'll see. And any writing going on with Billy? Uh, that's the plan to, you know, I've got to do the Deadland record. Right. First. We're trying to schedule that to the end of this year, get it out early next year. Uh, and, and I think with, with Billy Idol, we're looking to do an EP of material, but we're looking around at, uh, you know, different uh, co-writers and, okay. and producers. And um, there's a couple of people that I think are uh, that are out there that I'd like to work with and see if we can gel with them. 
Perfect. Well, have a great show tonight. We are Thanks, completely sir. psyched to see you and Billy Idol and then Brian Adams after. What a yeah. what a great double bill. Really Brian looking forward. Is incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's just every song. And he's got an incredible band. So I've been having a blast just watching those guys. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks again. We All really right, appreciate you taking time yeah, out. Yeah, thank you. Cool. Thank you so much. Yeah.
All right, that song right there, Dangerous by Bozio Levin Stevens, off of not the album I was talking to Steve uh, about, not Blacklight Syndrome. It's actually off their second record, which was also a really great record. And yeah, wow, go go buy some of that stuff on iTunes. And wow, we are ready for Deadland Ritual. I cannot wait for this band. Geezer Butler, Matt Sorum, Steve Stevens. Are you freaking kidding me? Oh, my God. Get to New York, please. I cannot wait for a New Jersey or New York show by Deadland Ritual. Uh, So great. And there's two songs up on iTunes right now. You can check them out. And let's do a little sample of one right here on Talking Metal right now. Shame and 
Down in Flames by Deadland Ritual featuring Steve Stevens. Go pick that up uh, on iTunes or Amazon Music or Spotify. I actually migrated off of Spotify over to Amazon Music. Um, But yeah, man, good stuff. And been streaming a lot of Tool lately. I mean, one of my favorite bands of all time has finally become available on the streaming platforms. And it is wonderful. It is wonderful. I mean, I can't help but think of like a 19-year-old who doesn't have a CD player. You know, he's finally got his tool. And I finally got my tool because I don't listen to CDs that much anymore. For me, it's streaming and vinyl. It really is. So thank God, Tool, one of my all-time favorite bands, a band I've been going to see consistently since 1992. Their entire music catalog is now available for streaming and downloads for the first time ever. Fans can listen to all five albums wherever they listen to music, whether that's Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube Music, you name it. It's all over the place. iTunes, just all the uh, Pandora, all the streaming services now have Tool. And guess what, guys? A brand new record is on the way, which will be available on August 30th, Fear Inoculum. And the single is out. Uh, It's the title track. It's streaming right now. Emily and I were actually listening to it on the way to the Billy Idol show last night. The Billy Idol Brian Adams show, which was just great. We were were listening to that 10-minute song twice. You know, it took up almost more than half the ride to get to the concert. It is a great tune. I I suggest everyone go listen to it because it, again, is off the new record and it is currently available, Fear Inoculum, the title track, off the new record. And the new record will be their first album in 13 years. Maynard, Adam Jones, love those guys. Danny on the drums. Oh my God, I love him so much. Again, all the albums, Opiate, Undertow, Anima, Lateris, 10,000 days, uh, you know, spanning over 20 years of Tool music, all up there on iTunes. I was just listening to Eulogy, Stink Fist, Sober, Sober, man, Sober. I remember the music video for that, too. That was so good. So many great, great songs by Tool currently available on the streaming platforms. Tool's entire music catalog now available for streaming and downloads for the first time ever. Go listen to it today. And get ready for that new album dropping August 30th. And on that note, let's get into my interview with Aaron Matz from Betraying the Martyrs. This interview was recorded back on August 1st, so let's check it out right now here on Talking Metal. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and on the on the Skype, we have Aaron Matz from Betraying the Martyrs. Aaron, how are you, man? I'm good, man. How are you? Good, good. We've all been following everything the, that's been going on with you guys, and uh, you know our hearts and prayers and thoughts are with you guys. We're just glad everyone's all right. But man, what an ordeal you've been through! Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, yeah, we can really feel the love. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it it wouldn't be so easy if we didn't have everyone's support. So that's been really, really helpful. Yeah, and there is just right off the bat, there is a GoFundMe page that is happening. For anyone who doesn't know, you guys uh, had a, a horrible fire on your your van and basically lost everything except your lives. I mean, it's, it was it was bad. It was, yeah, it was terrible, man. Uh, yeah, it happened after our show in Los Angeles on our on our last uh, tour in, in the United States. It was actually our first headlining tour, 
And uh, yeah, we got finished up playing in Los Angeles and we'll drive into the next show. And then about two and a half hours into the drive, uh, our driver kind of woke us up and, you know, got us all rushing out of the van and, and the whole trailer was ablaze. Yeah, it was terrible oh to watch everything just kind of burn down. Yeah, it was awful. And the the driver sounds like he really had some courage because he was not only basically saved you guys, but he was trying to save equipment and running back into the flames and risking his life for you guys, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he his name is uh, Daniel Johnson. He really deserves a mention there. Uh, yeah, he, he rushed into the flames. You know, he managed to get a jerry can full of gas out. Uh, he got like a, one of the suitcases out. But most importantly, he uh, he managed to unattach the trailer from the from the van itself and then move it away from the flames. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Really saved, saved us all, man. Well, thank God for that. And again, we've, our hearts have gone out to you guys and we're going to have the GoFundMe page link through today's show notes on talkingmetal.com. And so what, what's the status? You guys, obviously the, the rest of the American tour was scrapped and, but you guys are, are currently, you're playing again now, right? Yeah. 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 We have a, we had a, a festival appearance today in Romania, got booked for quite some time. Cool. And uh, yeah, uh, and we were lucky enough, uh, lucky enough that the um, the organisers of the festival they said, listen, you know, we we don't want you to miss the appearance. Uh, we're gonna get all the gear. You know, they rented out a bunch of gear, everything that we need. Uh, so we just flew over here, you know, with a couple of guitars that we had, and uh, yeah, we were able to do the show thanks to them. Awesome. So we are recording this on August first, two thousand nineteen. Is this the first show back since the since the fire? It is. Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, that's best of luck to you guys. I would imagine that's going to be uh, an emotional uh, thing stepping back on stage, and I can't wait to hear how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, most importantly, well, I'm I'm about to step into a van right now, so that that's <laughs> going to be more more emotional than getting right. on stage. But yeah. It, Listen, we're, we're going to get back on our feet. And uh, yeah, like I said, thanks to all the fans and all the brands that, have, that are helping us out. We're going to be able to get on the road pretty soon. So, Very good. Very good. And again, the GoFundMe page is linked through TalkingMetal.com. The new album is still on target for September 13th release day, correct? Absolutely, yes. Rapture. And let's talk a little bit about the album. Who were you guys working with in the studio? Was there a certain producer or mixer that, that helped you out on this? Uh, yes, so we recorded all of the instrumentals uh, in Czech Republic with uh, Tamas from Babylon Studios. Uh, he's a friend of ours. He actually plays in a, in a prog band called uh, Modern Day Babylon. And uh, yeah, we, he just offered, he, he said, listen, guys, you know, like my studio needs some kind of promotion. I'll record you guys for free. Wow. And we were like, wow. Yeah, so we just went over there and the studio is incredible. So yeah, if, if anyone wants to, you know, getting a great studio that's really worthwhile. Go go check out Babylon Studios in the Czech, Czech Republic. And then for the vocals, we went over to London and recorded with uh, Justin Hill from a band called Six. He worked with us on the on the on the last record. He he actually tracked the whole of the last record, including the the vocals. And we just had a really good time with him. You know, like we felt really comfortable. Uh, you know, he put us in a good in a good uh, mind space to to record. You know, to get our parts and get the best out of out of the both of us. So. Yeah, went back over there, and finally it was mixed by Henrik Ud from Sweden, who worked on uh, the last uh, Architects record, and he's done uh, Bring Me the Horizon record, and he's just fantastic, and he made he made everything sound just the way we wanted it to. Perfect. Well, I cannot wait to hear the whole album. I've heard Parasite and 
Eternal Machine, and they are just sounding fantastic. So again, we are anxiously awaiting the new record, Rapture, on September 13th. You can pre-order it now. The two songs that I mentioned are available for streaming and download uh, currently. And, you know... There's been uh, there's been a lot in the news lately about about Chris Adler uh, leaving Lamb yeah. of God, and he of course is working with you guys. Can you explain his official role with you guys? Yeah, he he's our manager. He's the band's manager. Right on. And you know, is I haven't really heard why he's leaving Lamb of God, but I I found it curious that you know he was announced. It was announced he's going to be managing you guys. And then, like a couple months later, it's announced he's out of the band. Is he focusing more on the management side of things and kind of stepping away from performing? Do you know any of the details behind his exit from Lamb of God? Uh, no, not not necessarily. And uh, I, I can confirm that the, the two the two events are absolutely not linked in any way. But at the same time, uh, the Lamb of God business that's not not my not my right. place to say and we sure i really don't know the ins and outs so uh, that's that's uh strictly a between chris and the rest of the guys kind of situation i got you cool now you've been doing this with uh betraying the martyrs since i think 2010 2011 you you started playing with yeah. them and we're going on what eight nine years now what have been some of the highlights of your time with the band oh wow there's so many uh oh I mean, you know, with Samarian Records, uh, that was, you know, obviously a huge highlight for us because right. that was really the, the record label that we had in mind. You know, it was like Alex Gold and to have that happen was, was crazy. And then they, they kind of thrown us into a whirlwind of touring and, you know, put us on some major tours, one of those being uh, the Mayhem Tour in 2012 in the United States with, with bands like Slipknot and Slayer and Motorhead. That was, you know, that was crazy. And, uh, yeah, I know. We're just traveling the world and seeing all the things that we've been able to see and playing with all the bands that you know we've idolized for so many years. It's just been a really great journey, man. It's really hard to pick out, you know, some of the best moments. You know, you never know when another highlight is just around the corner. And I have a feeling that today uh, we're headlining a stage here at this festival in uh, in Romania today, and yeah, it's going to be fantastic. I heard that the crowd's going to be huge, and uh, yeah, I can imagine today will be a highlight just to put in with the rest of them. Right on. Oh, right on. and let me. And uh, we also played. Uh, we did a full Asian tour a few months back, and we we played a huge festival called MIDI Festival in China, and that was just insane. I think that was definitely up there with one of the you know one of the best three shows we've ever played, and that'll wow. be a moment cool. that we'll never forget. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I know you're getting ready for this uh, return to the stage, and just want to send you all the best of luck. We cannot wait for you guys to get back to the States. Is there a, a plan to get you guys back here? Uh, that, that would be ideal. Um, you know, it's complicated because we have, you know, we need to get work visas to get over there. We have visas valid until March next year. So if we do come back, uh, it will either be before then or, you know, quite, quite a while after that. So hopefully before March next year, but we'll see what happens. Maybe maybe this podcast or this radio station will bring us in a great tour. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Well, Aaron, thank you so much, and I appreciate your time. Sorry I was running late to, to call you, but uh, we wish you the best of luck with the show, and we want you back in the States, so let's, uh, let's hope that that happens sooner than later. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time, too, man. Thank you for having me. Keep in touch, please. All right. All right. Take care, man. Bye.
those links up in today's show notes where you can support Aaron and betraying the martyrs. So uh, we wish them all the best of luck. Well, I mean, they got hit, hit hard. So I'm glad, I'm just glad everyone's safe, man. I'm glad everyone's safe. Everyone's out there still rocking and uh, good stuff. So right now let's get into another interview. This is with Pat from the hall of heavy metal history. I recorded this interview up at the induction ceremony when anthrax was inducted into the hall of heavy metal history in Montreal, Canada at Heavy Montreal and I got to talk with Pat about what what the Hall of Heavy Metal History actually is and it's a very cool thing. So here we go. This is my friend Pat. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal still at Heavy Montreal here with Pat Jeswaldo who was just on stage with Anthrax or in the media tent presenting Anthrax or inducting Anthrax into, and correct me if I'm wrong, Pat, but the Hall of Heavy Metal History, right? Yes, sir. Correct. Yep. What a, what, what a great event and uh, so much fun. Uh, let's talk a little bit about you and what the Hall of Heavy Metal History is. Well, and first of all, thank you guys for, for helping so much and all your support. I deeply appreciate that. I really, really do. 
So I started the hall, we started about four years ago now, actually almost five years, and basically we did it to induct, you know, those metal musicians who have carried the flag for so long, you know, and whether, you know, they've been working so hard and they just don't get the honor that they deserve, frankly. So I was, how the whole thing started was, I was watching uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame several years ago, and they inducted um, Deep Purple. It was the year Deep Purple was inducted. And they kind of panned the camera to John Lord's wife, who was accepting on his behalf. And, you know, the, pan, the camera just kind of panned to the audience, and everybody's half asleep. Then they inducted Easy, and the place went crazy. Right. So, you know, it really pissed me off. And I'm thinking, well, first of all, why is Easy even in there, number one, right? right? So I thought to myself right then and there, something needs to be done as a metal award show. Nothing's been done. I think I'm going to do it, and I think I'm going to call it the Hall of Heavy Metal History. And that was in April, and in January we had our first show. So it was pretty good. Okay. And how many people have been inducted so far? Obviously you had Anthrax today. Oh, many, yeah. We've had everybody from Ronnie James Dio and and uh, Motorhead and Scorpions and Ross the Boss and like I said Randy Rhodes and oh man Frank Bello and Dave Elfson, Mike right. Portnoy so the list goes on and on and on. And there's been some pretty like high profile ceremonies to induct induct these guys I mean there was the one with I remember watching with Lee Kerslick where you inducted him which was so cool to see him back um, and Let's are you like what's the goal with this? Are you looking to do like an actual TV special kind of like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame does? Where where do you envision this? Where do you want this to go? Well, we're working on all that right now, actually. Yes, and uh, myself and Wendy Dio. Um, so yeah, we're working on it diligently, and and yeah, there's been some great galas every year. We do an annual gala every year, inducting a lot of the not only the musicians but the executives. You know, we've done Slagle. Ryan Slagle from Metalblade and you know everybody. So um, yeah, that's worked out very, very well. And you're wor just to back it up a little bit, you're working. Wendy Dio works with you on this. Yeah, Wendy and I had originally launched this so several years ago. Yeah, and we're we have some other things in the in the works as well. Wendy and I. Yeah, so it's it's a great honor. Yep. And do you think there there we could eventually get this like? on an HBO or I mean there's so many different platforms now with the streaming content Netflix and Amazon Prime I mean I would love to see something like like uh, an actual award show I mean we've you know the, the Revolver was doing it for a while and I guess that kind of disappeared but we need this I mean how how are we going to get this to the masses well we're just about there okay. that's all I'm going to say for now but that's everything is in the works of what you mentioned okay yes okay the guys in Anthrax, uh, again, accepting today. Let's talk a little bit about Anthrax. Earliest Anthrax memories for you? Oh, going way back, right to the beginning. You know, right to the beginning. And uh, what a great honor to have them as well. You know, and, and, uh, and that's what it's all about. They're another perfect example of a band that's been carrying the flag for us for so long and working so hard, you know, and, and they absolutely deserve the honor for sure. Cool. And coincidentally, we live in Maplewood, New Jersey. We're up here in Montreal, and we're saying, where are you from? You're from Mountain Lakes. We love Mountain Lakes. Yeah, I'm not that far from you. Yeah. Funny uh, you mentioned that. You grew up in Jersey? Yes, I did. Woodbridge, Avenel. Oh, Woodbridge. 
Cool. So you meant the uh, the what was the the old bridge? Oh, that, I'm not getting Woodbridge and Old Bridge. The Old Bridge militia, different town. Oh, yeah. Well, Old Bridge, and then of course you had the Birch Hill, and yeah. and of course you know speaking of uh, of Old Bridge, you know we inducted Johnny and Marsha Z. Oh, Johnny okay. Z and Marsha. Mega Force. Yeah, and Metallica did the induction for us last year, which was great. And uh, it was really a great honor to have them involved, too, for sure. Very cool. Well, I'm excited to hear what you have in store. we got to hang out. We're, we have a fellow New Jersey guy here and uh, also a mutual love for heavy metal and hard rock. Thank you for doing what you do, and thank you for fly flying the flag. And, yeah, let's take this to the masses. I think it's a great idea. I, I want to support you and help you any way we can. Well, thank you so much. I honestly mean that from the bottom of my heart. That really is a great honor. Thank you so much. Because I can't do it without you and the media. You know, we're one family, and we all have to stick together. That's my perspective on starting this whole thing right from the very beginning. So, and thanks to all the fans, too, for sure. And is there a website or social media platform you'd like people to check out? Yeah, the Facebook or the uh, website is thehallofheavymetalhistory.org. Okay, Pat, thank you so much. We appreciate the time.
justice, some classic anthrax going back to the mid-1980s right there. Guys, you guys are the best. We got some of the patrons asking for music. Kenny, I haven't forgotten about you, man. You are saying, why don't we play some some of the more heavier stuff, the hardcore stuff, Carcass, Slayer, Agnostic Front, Hatebreed, Madball, Crowbar. You got it, dude. Let's do some Hatebreed right now on Talking Metal. Had a shotgun to my head, they said I wasn't worth the bullets Now the world is my trigger and I'm here to fucking pull it Today by Hatebreed here on Talking Metal. My name is Mark Striegel. Follow me on Instagram. It's at Talking Metal or on Twitter, the same thing. Search me out on Facebook. You spell my last name like this, S-T-R-I-G-L. And again, the first name is Mark with a K-M-A-R-K-S-T-R-I-G-L. Thank you, Kenny, for supporting me. Kenny McCrimmon. I appreciate your support on Patreon, Kenny. And I wanted to also give a shout out to um, Martin mcgarry who gave a paypal donation you can give those paypal donations if you don't want to do patreon want to do a one-timer just go to uh the website which is talkingmetal.com or talkingrock.net and make a donation there using the paypal tabs and this goes out to you martin this is new maps by course of empire Direct you up from the 
guys, thanks so much. Let me know how this new Zoom recorder sounds, the H5, the handy recorder. I was having trouble with the Tascam one when I was up at Heavy Montreal, so I bought another one, and then the Tascam one started working again perfectly, and I used it for the Steve Stevens interview, which I think sounds pretty good. I plugged Phantom Power mics into it, um, you know, the XLR Phantom Powers, and yeah, that's what I'm doing right now on this h Five handy recorder zoom and the kids are yelling in the background we've been away we've been traveling a lot so i feel like today was kind of our first day back because last night day can't even talk yesterday was consumed by the billy idol steve stevens show you know with brian adams playing right after them and we um we i was getting ready and trying to learn this new recorder and and writing questions and stuff so yesterday was a wash but today we just have kids running in and out of our house which is great because my my kids have been on vacation been a crazy busy three weeks for the streagles and i'm glad they're reuniting with their friends here where we live in maplewood new jersey uh which if people are wondering where maplewood is it's very close to newark the newark airport but it's like a nice neighborhood it's not like you know newark newark's nice i mean newark has some nice parts but you know it's more a suburban feel so but you know we're about 20 23 miles outside of manhattan yeah anyways good stuff um and to take us out let's let's hit another request by a patron my dear friend jerry from long island who always comes bearing gifts whenever I I meet up with him and he wanted to hear let me just uh, pull this text up from him because Gar- uh, Jerry Gary not 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 Martin McGarry Jerry from Long Island um, you wanted to hear Savoir to Assassin from the new Terra Maze album uh, am I saying those things? The album is. Uh, am I saying those things correctly, Jerry? The album is called "Are We Soldiers?" So here we go. Right now, to take us out, a little music requested by Jerry from Long Island. This is Terra Maze. Terra Maze, off the album "Are We Soldiers?" There you go. <laughs> <laughs> 